Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, click the link below or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join guest speaker Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. Very good to see you here today. And you can hear me a lot. Turn it back on. Okay. Boy, a fella can get messed up in this place, can he? For those of you that may not know, my name is Bill Jenkins. I'm an evangelist out of River of Life Church in Crawfordville, Florida, and I'm not backslidden. <laughs> Linda and I, for some of you, have no idea what that means, but uh, if you listen, well, you can't go back and listen to last week because it's not on the Internet. Uh, I just, let me just say this. A preacher has really got to be careful what he says from the pulpit. Especially if he ever wants to be invited back. So uh, we'll leave that there. I, uh, I did hear this one pastor and he had finished his message and God had blessed and there were people at the altar and this man came down and uh, the pastor said, son, what can I, why are you here? He said, I need you to pray for me. And uh, he said, uh, I need you to pray for my hearing. And the pastor realized he still had his microphone on and that everybody in the church could hear him. And he said, oh, i got to do this good. And so he started praying. I mean, he, he went after it. You know what I mean, Brother Chuck. He got on with it, and, and he prayed. Like 15 minutes, he prayed. He got this boy by the head, and he's cupped his ears, and he's squeezing. And finally, finally, he finished his prayer, and he looked at the young man, and he says, now, how's your hearing? He said, I won't know until Thursday. <laughs> so, hey, man. You've got your Bible, if you'll open it today, to the Romans and chapter number 15. God has placed this message upon my heart, I believe, for this very specific time. Uh, I shared with Pastor Henry this week, I said, I have to be careful at River of Life. Y'all have heard my five sermons. And uh, so this is a brand new sermon. They're going to put it up there in a minute. But in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 13, the Bible says this, now the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of of the Holy Ghost. You pray with us, please. Father God, we come to you today as humble as we know how. It is not our strength that these people need today. It is you, the power of your word, the ministering of that word through the Holy Ghost power that can come only from you. God, we are we're hungry people. We're desperate people, and we're seeking you, God, because we realize that in Christ Jesus, 
we can do all things. It is in Christ Jesus that we are made more than conquerors. It is in Christ Jesus that all hope for eternal life rests. May you be exalted in the time we spend together today in Jesus' name. Amen. When one begins to speak on a specific topic, you have to research that topic. And I began to do some research on this little word, hope, several weeks ago. Webster's Dictionary has a definition of what you and I realize hope to be in our day and our time. According to Webster's, hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope in our day and time is nothing more than a wishful emotion. It has no foundation but our own desire. It almost amazes us sometimes when our hopes become realities. People say things like, well, I hope I don't gain weight. I hope that uh, my team wins. I hope I don't get lost. I hope I'm not late. I, I hate being late. Are you like that? I have a dear friend up in North Carolina, and he, he, he is habitually late everywhere he goes. I, you know, I, I want to say, hey, look, we're going to start and tell him an hour ahead of time so he get there on time. His wife said about him, he said, this man is so late, his mother had to carry him for 14 months. <laughs> yeah. His son said about him, he said, my dad is so late, he didn't get his birthmark until he was eight years old. <laughs> late. I don't want to be late. When you come to the word hope, however, in the Bible, it, it is, it's different. Elpizio. It is a verb meaning looking expectantly. It, it is not that something might transpire. According to the Word of God, it is knowing that something is going to happen without fail. Something, something that you can count on, rock solid, if you will. The writer of Hebrews wrote it this way, Hebrews 6 verse 18. He says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set for horse, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into the veil. My dad was a man who never lied. And I equate this word hope in the biblical sense with my dad. If my dad ever told you anything, you were guaranteed that that was going to transpire. For instance, there was a time, <laughs> there was many times that my brother and sister would be setting the three of us in the back seat of the car. We'll be going somewhere because dad said we were. And in the process of traveling the many miles, we got uh, bored. We, we became agitated with one another. Say amen right there. <laughs> and so we would begin to pick on each other a little bit. And my dad would say, y'all need to quit. 
Y'all need to stop. And then ultimately, he would say it. When I get y'all home, I'm going to tear you up. Ooh, I prayed for a brain freeze. I prayed for forgetfulness. I prayed that somehow he had lapsed into some, that he had forgot what he's, but you know, we never did. And being faithful to his word. That's the kind of hope the Bible talks about. It's something that when God says it, you can count on it beyond any question. It's the word of God. Edward Motes wrote this. He said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus. My hope this morning is not upon my righteousness. My hope is built upon His righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, the Apostle Paul wrote it this way, And God hath made Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we <laughs> might be made the righteousness of God in and through Him. Oh, what a blessing this morning. Let me give you some scriptures to let you know, and that supports my claim, that the Bible is a book of hope. Romans 5 and verse number 2, the Bible says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In Romans 15 and 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning and, for, and through patience and comfort of the Scriptures that we might have hope. Colossians 1 and 5, the Bible says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And Colossians 1 and 27, it says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Timothy 1, and excuse me, Titus 1 in verse number 2, the Bible says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Titus 2 and 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 3, 7, that being justified by His grace, we should, make, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 1 Peter 1 and 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3, 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you in meekness and in fear. As you studied the Bible, you find out that hope is a gift from God. 2 Thessalonians 2.16. Hope is secured by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1.3. 
Hope is confirmed by the Holy Spirit of God, Romans 15, 13. Hope is an anchor for the soul, Hebrews chapter 6. Hope brings joy, Psalms 146. Hope is a product of Christ in us, Colossians 1, 27. Hope is purifying, 1 John 3, 3. Hope testifies, 1 Peter 3, 10. I'm trying to tell you that this Bible is a book of hope. And you need to read it. And you need to let it get in you. This is our hope for today. This is our hope for tomorrow. And this is our hope for eternity. Of all the people on the face of this earth, it is only Christians who have hope. If you understand Matthew seven 13, you'll understand that the majority of the world in which you live today is lost. They have no hope. You began to look through the Word of God and what you're going to find in the New Testament alone. That word hope appears 58 different times. And of the 58 different times, only twice is it mentioned, is it coupled with the word no. Twice. In all of the New Testament, God wanted you to know about no hope. The first is found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 11. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Ephesus, you'll remember that church, it's the one that left their first love. He writes to that church and he makes this statement. He says, wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. For just a moment, if you'll go back to verse number 11, notice that word. Remember, the Apostle Paul is calling upon those of us who say that we are saved to remember, remember what we were before Jesus Christ came into our life. Remember that, that we uh, were lost damned, doomed. The Word of God says that you were dead in your trespasses and your sin. Wasn't anybody coming by to throw you a life ring? You weren't going down for the third time. You weren't sinking in sin far from the peaceful shore. You were dead. You had no hope. And sometimes as Christians, we forget where He brought us from. We're guilty of thinking of ourselves, perhaps, better than other men. Somehow we convince ourselves that that we were worthy of being saved. Somehow in the process of growing as a Christian, we forget that we were undone. John Piper wrote it this way. 
Why do we pray with so little fervor and affliction? Why do we sing but scarcely from the heart? Why are so few hearts breaking for the lost of the world? Why is lukewarm love of Christ so common and white-hot devotion so rare? The answer is that we have forgotten that we were hopeless. I've been in four different churches this month. By the grace of God, we will continue through the year going where God allows us to go. Dear friend, I go into church after church where there's no passion anymore. And the reason that passion is dying and the reason that passion will die in this church is that we have forgotten how lost we were. How that we had no hope. We could never do enough. All of our righteousness, according to this word, was as filthy rags in the sight of an almighty God. Ezekiel 16 says that when God's passed by us, he saw us polluted in our own blood. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's not even one who's seeking after God. If we're ever saved, it's because God comes seeking for us. John 6 and 44, Jesus said, no man comes to me unless the Father draws him. Have you forgotten? When it comes time to share your testimony, when God nudges your heart through the Holy Spirit and encourages you to teach a class, to go further, to go deeper with the things of God, when God encourages you, (laughs) God, I'm busy. I'm already doing things. Forgot. You forgot that without him, you're nothing. You've forgotten that without him, all of this is nothingness. You've forgotten that he is the foundation of all that we are. 1 Corinthians 3.11, the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. You were lost. But the second time that those two words, no hope, are coupled together, it's not speaking to the church, but rather it is speaking about the world in which you live. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, Concerning those that are asleep. And then this phrase. That you sorrow not. Even as others. That have no hope. The word sorrow that's used here in the Greek. It it, it does not mean to to have the little teary eyed. Oh I'm sorry they're gone. We won't ever see them again. That's not the word. In fact, what you find when you begin to study this word is that Vine in his expository dictionary of New Testament words, he said the word sorrow here means to cause great pain, grief, distress, to grieve, to cast into great anguish. Apostle Paul uses that 
when he describes the lostness of man. He's literally saying, if they could see themselves as God sees them, the grief would be so overwhelming. No hope. What does it mean? have no hope but you sorrow not even as others that has no hope preaching for almost 50 years now I've had the privilege of meeting some great great men of God your pastor being one of those I was privileged when I was in college up in Arkansas to meet Dr. Jack Stanley Dr. Jack Stanley came to our church on many occasions and preached revivals. For some reason, God brought Brother Stanley to my mind, who is now with the Lord, as I was preparing this message. And and, and particularly, an instance, he shared a true incident that happened in his life. You see, there was this family in his church that had a wayward son. They had talked about it many times, prayed for him at the altar. On a particular day, Brother Jack received a phone call that this young man had been involved in a tragic accident in Memphis, Tennessee. He left his church in Oklahoma and drove all the way to Memphis, Tennessee to talk to this young man. He got into the room and there was the young man laying there in the bed. He was somewhat uh, able to talk, somewhat able to think, somewhat able to understand what was going on. A cognizance was there. And so Brother Jack took his Bible, he opened it, and he began to talk to this young man about the lostness of his soul. And before the young man could say anything, his mother interrupted and said, Pastor Jack, you don't need to talk to him about that right now. He's sick. He needs your prayers. But you don't need to talk to me about Jesus. Quit trying to save him. Dr. Jack Stanley went back to his hotel room for he had to spend a night there. And he decided that he would go back to Baptist Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee to see the boy one more time before he left to go back to Oklahoma. When he got to the hospital, he looked down the hallway and there was that woman crying. Seeing Brother Jack Stanley, she began to run toward him. And according to Dr. Stanley, this is what she screamed. My boy's in hell. My boy is in hell. My boy is in hell. No hope. Do you understand? Every person that you know that's not saved... If if today, for whatever reason, they step across God's lifeline, there is no more hope. You're not going to pray them out of purgatory. You're you're not going to send up some great prayer that God's going to change the way he's been doing things. When a person dies without Jesus, there is hope. No hope. 
Apostle Paul said, I pray that you would sorrow not as others that have no hope. Dear friend, you don't have to die to run out of God's hope. I don't know where it's at. I do know the Bible talks about it. That line that God has drawn in the sand, that line where God says, that's as far as you can go, and if you cross that line, there is no more grace. Well, Brother Bill, I, I don't believe that's in the Bible. I'm glad you think that way because the Bible says this in Romans 1 and verse 24. Wherefore, God also gave them up. Again, in Romans 1 and verse number 26, he says, for this cause, God gave them up. Rome, uh, Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 3, speaking of the old world, the world, world of Noah, he makes this statement. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with a man. The great truth of the Bible. Please hear me this morning. The great truth of the Bible is not that men are going to be condemned. Men are condemned already. Romans chapter 3, excuse me, John chapter 3 and verse number 18. The word of God, Jesus Christ, doing the speaking. He says, because you believe in me, you are not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. I was going through some stuff that I saved. I don't know if the other preachers are like this, but uh, I used to save newspaper clippings. Do you know when you get something on the internet, you can't save a newspaper clipping? <laughs> Copy and paste, amen. <laughs> I found this in one of my, oh, it was an, uh, an interview, an article, if you re were, were getting, uh, dated May of 2006. Not very long ago for some of us. The article was with a man that probably all of you know. The person doing the interview says, tell me, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, what happens to us when we die? Arnold Schwarzenegger's reply, nothing. You're six feet under. Anyone that tells you something else is a liar. Well, what about life after death? Schwarzenegger answered, it's a fantasy. When people talk about, I will see them again in heaven. Oh, it sounds good. But the reality is that we won't see each other again after we're gone. That's the sad part. I know people feel uncomfortable with death. But I don't. Here's a man. That's crossed over. Here's a man that is comfortable living with no hope. And our world is filled with them. Our world is filled with people who are living for Saturday night and one more drink and one more party. Our world is filled with people that have no I don't know what it's going to be like, Brother Henry. 
I've often speculated, I'm sure you have too. The Bible talks about that day when a person dies and they go off into heaven, Luke chapter six, uh, in, into heaven, Luke 16. But it also talks about a day when men die and they go off into hell. And they're in hell and they stay in hell until you get to Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. And the Bible says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, the heavens and the earth passed away, and there was found no place for them. And death and hell delivered up all of the dead that were in it. And each man stood before God. Actually, the Bible teaches us they stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was the willing substitute, the one who was full of God's grace and God's mercy. But now on this day, he has become the merciless graceless judge of mankind and they're brought one by one and the word of God says the books are opened and every man stands there and hears about his life and the opportunities that he had in life to be saved and then the Bible says that each man It's judged according to his works. And then whosoever, Romans, excuse me, John, Revelation 20 and verse number 15. The Bible says, and whosoever's name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life. is taken, cast into the fire that burns forever. Ever. This is the second death. There is no hope. No hope. I was asked several years ago in an interview because I'm an evangelist. What do you think is the number one reason that people aren't being saved like they used to be saved? And that that question's got many, many different answers. But I've wrestled with it. I go into churches just like this. I preach my heart out. I hope you understand that. I'm not as eloquent as some. And by some, I'm considered to be an old dinosaur. But my purpose here today is not to make you comfortable. My purpose here today is to bring you face-to-face with reality. In this building today, there are people, if they were honest, they have no hope. Some are depending upon a baptismal certificate to get them to glory. Others have joined a church and said, well, preacher, I'm a member of so-and-so's church. I I was raised up in this kind of school. And they really, if they were honest, they don't have any hope. So why don't people come forward and get saved, preacher? I'm glad you asked. I I believe primarily the number one reason would be fear. Fear of what it might cost you if you got saved. Fear of the change that might be brought in your life if you truly were saved. Fear of... (laughs) 
God forbid, what others might think, I walk to the front of the church. Fear. Fear of standing before others and letting the world know I'm tired of having no hope. I'm going to put my hope, my faith, my trust in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Would you bow your head with us, please, every head bowed? Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.